Hello and welcome to the Healed with Alyssa podcast. I am so excited for you guys to learn more information from me. This podcast is going to be all about helping heal your child and your family naturally without drugs or surgery. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to today's episode on the Healed with Alyssa podcast. I am so excited that you are here with me listening to this episode. Today, I want to talk about infant colic and reflux in infants. This is unfortunately very common lately, but absolutely it is not normal. So If you have a pediatrician or a doctor that's telling you, oh, this is just a normal thing that happens with with babies when they're really small, this is absolutely not normal. So do not take that as an answer. You want to address what is going on in the baby's body that is causing this, right? So some symptoms of reflux, colic, in this is specifically for like babies would be number one you see the baby is spitting up a lot maybe they're even like throwing up their food when you um yeah what after you're feeding you they're throwing up a lot maybe they're really uncomfortable and have a really bloated belly after they're not burping well after they're eating also they are just so uncomfortable, right? They're crying all the time, especially after eating. Um, They have a lot of painful gas. This is another really common thing. Um, Another thing we see that is not really um, linked, but constipation in babies. So another thing that they say is normal, but absolutely is not normal. I don't care if you are breastfeeding or formula feeding, your child should have at least one to two bowel movements a day. So anything besides that would be constipation. And that can cause uncomfortability and pain in children. You know, think about us when we have to go to the bathroom and we just feel like our belly is bloated. The babies can be feeling the exact same way. It's really important that we address what is going on. Um, especially we see a lot of times colic is worse at nighttime when the baby is maybe laying flat on their back. So, I, I mean, it's, this is horrible for the parents. Colic where a baby is screaming all the time, uncomfortable, it's horrible for everyone. It's horrible for the baby and it's horrible for the parent. The parent a lot of times is just so, first of all, exhausted because they... <laughs> They're not sleeping because their child is generally up all night screaming because they are uncomfortable. This is absolutely not normal. There is a reason why your child is uncomfortable. What normal is would be child sleeping, having no issues. Maybe they still wake up every you know three to four hours at night. That is developmentally appropriate for you know an infant, right? They wake up to eat in the night. Um, But they should not be screaming all night. They should not be in pain, kicking their legs, arching their back. These symptoms are absolutely not normal. And 
you know, putting your child on a medication is not the answer. Getting um, prescribed, I know doctors like to prescribe Pepsid or famotidine, which is an acid blocker, right, um, is not addressing what is going on in the child's body. And that actually can cause further gut issues down the road. So I personally would never recommend putting your child on this type of medication. First of all, it's a, an infant. Why are we putting an infant on and any medication? Let's look at some of the causes to why this is happening than just jumping to putting them on a medication. So with my patients who I have that we are working on, you know, if they have really bad reflux, number one is we want to look at if they've had an oral assessment for a tongue tie. You know, and this is not an assessment just from your pediatrician. Pediatricians, unfortunately, are not trained in doing a proper oral assessment. So I would recommend getting assessed by a preferred provider in your area. So oftentimes, these are a pediatric dentist that specializes in tongue tie releases could be a speech and language pathologist that specializes in oral motor function, especially for infants. It also could be uh, like an occupational therapist or a, a physical therapist that specializes in infants, right? These are the type of people we want to have evaluate our child. Also, um, a, a lactation consultant, that can be another person who would be trained to assess your child for the for tongue tie. Now, just because they have that title does not mean that they're trained. So doing your further research, um, I always like to recommend asking your local like Facebook mom groups if you are in those and getting some advice from other moms in your area, right? Everyone lives in different areas. We have different specialists. Some people even have to fly to different states or different cities because they don't have someone trained in their area. And tongue ties by themselves, I can do a whole episode on tongue ties. I am not trained in tongue ties, but my son had a tongue tie um, that we had released at two weeks old. And we had it released by one of the top people. But I was not educated, me even being a nurse practitioner, you know, I, I have a lot of education, but I was not educated that we needed to do some kind of body work before the tongue tie release. So, you know, you may ask, well, what, what is body work? So body work is some kind of modality to help release tension in the baby's body. So something would be such as chiropractic would be body work. Um, cranial sacral therapy is a really common one that we use for infants and it's really gentle. Uh, also some kind of like physical therapy for infants. A lot of these infants with tongue ties also have something called uh, torticollis or which is like tension in the neck. So maybe they favor one side um, of their neck and the other. Generally, that's because they have a lot of tension and babies who have tongue ties have a lot of tension in their body. So we brought my son to the specialist. It was during COVID. It was, 
oh my God, it was, it was an intense experience. I have to say bringing your two week old out into public into, you know, a doctor's office like this during COVID. So we got the tongue tie release. He had no therapy before the release and, you know, everything was great. And then it reattached. But we didn't know that it reattached, and it was a nightmare. His feeding actually got worse post-release. Um, he was breastfed, and um, he couldn't, it, like, he was, like, it felt like he was, like, choking every time we would I'd try to feed him. I saw all these different lactation consultants. I even um, made an appointment with someone that I found on YouTube because I was just trying, I was like, a mother knows their child. I don't care if the child is two days old, two years old. Like you need to trust your mother's instinct. And I was like, this is not right. Like this is not the way it should be. So I was like, there's something here. So I was going on YouTube. I was trying to find all the information that I could. So I actually made an appointment after struggling for so long, I made an appointment with someone uh, virtually. And at this time, I was talking to the dentist and, you know, it was through like a picture and a text. And, you know, it's it's hard to see what's going on through a picture. And because it was COVID and it was not like such a close trip, we didn't go back right away because, you know, my baby is four weeks old. I don't want to keep traveling back and forth to you know, to go to potentially New York City. So um, we're doing all the things. I'm doing all of these therapies. I'm doing, um, you know, I'm doing different stretches at home. All I'm, I'm literally doing everything and nothing seems to be working. So eventually we, I got to a physical therapist who I actually found on Instagram And she recommended that I go see a speech language pathologist to be reevaluated for, um, to see if the tongue tie reattached. So we finally go to see the speech language pathologist that at this point, my son, I believe was like four months old and he was having all of these issues. He wasn't gaining weight well. His belly was always so distended and, um, so we finally got to her and she was like, yeah, his tongue tie. And it was like so quick that she was like, yeah, his tongue tie absolutely has reattached. And he actually has cheek ties, which is also called uh, buccal ties, buckle ties. And so that is that the cheeks, like the cheeks are attached to the mouth and it makes it really difficult for the infants to latch appropriately, to you know, they're using so much of that, so much muscle in their face to get any kind of nourishment. And so she immediately was like, okay, we need to get this reattached. She wanted us to do cranial sacral therapy before the second release to make sure that, you know, that there wasn't a ton of tension to make sure there would be like no reattachment. And I was so distraught because I was like, we literally got this, this release like a while ago. How come like we didn't see the, the ties, uh, the cheek ties at that time. And she said it's really common because if, 
the child has a lot of tension, it doesn't show. The, the cheek ties won't show. So after we did a little bit of body work, then it was able to, we were able to see that they actually does have cheek ties. So it's really common. So now I think that the, um, the doctor has changed that there needs to be some kind of body work done before a release to make sure that um, it is successful. It was a whole production for months and months and months. My child was uncomfortable, uh, always bloated. He would spit up a lot. And his feedings were horrible. Like It was sounded like he was choking every time he would eat. He wouldn't take a bottle because that was uncomfortable for him. Um, yeah, it was really hard as a mom that was breastfeeding. I couldn't, you know, leave him because he wasn't taking a bottle. It was stressful as a mom. So back to the reflux, tongue ties are really, really common these days. And a lot of times people are just going based off what their pediatrician says. And unfortunately, pediatricians are not trained to, to uh, evaluate these appropriately, unless it's really obvious. So my, my son's tongue tie before it was released was so obvious, like his, the tongue tie like his tongue was attached like to the tip of his tongue. And it was so interesting because he actually breastfed better like that than he did when we had it released the first time. The At that time, like his tongue was just like so all over the place. It was like his tongue was confused almost. Um, so, yeah. so that would be the first step is making sure you have your child evaluated for a tongue tie if they have some kind of colic reflux e-symptoms. Um, the next thing I would recommend um, checking is your diet if you're breastfeeding or the formula that your child is using if you are feeding your child formula. So um, what we see a lot of times that dairy is the one of the biggest issues relating to colic and babies if they have food sensitivities. Okay, so... Um, dairy is one of the most common food sensitivities. And then next I would say is gluten. Okay. So those two things are big things to look out if you are breastfeeding and your baby is really colicky. So people will be like, well, I only eat raw dairy or I only eat organic dairy. So dairy is dairy. And if you are sensitive to dairy, it doesn't matter if it's raw or if it's, um, organic grass, fed it doesn't matter. Dairy is dairy. And if you're sensitive to dairy, you're sensitive to dairy. Um, if you're breastfeeding, these would be the dairy would probably be the first thing I would recommend removing from your diet. And then if your baby is taking formula, I would try to find something that maybe is more um, hydrolyzed, meaning it's like the dairy protein is broken down more. I'm not an expert on formulas. I know, um, you know, the ingredients are not the best on formulas. But no judgment if you have to feed your child formula. I totally get it. Eventually down my road with my son, I had to opt for formula because my health was just breaking down and my body just couldn't support breastfeeding my, uh, breastfeeding my child and nourishing myself. So my body was very, very depleted. So that would be the diet portion. So number one would be to uh, remove dairy and then gluten would be the next one. Now, people will 
remove dairy, I mean, people remove gluten, and then they just are eating a ton of rice and oats and corn. Now, those are very inflammatory, and babies do not do well with grains. So I would probably try to stick to, if you're going to get to a point where you have to move gluten, grain-free to me personally is like the least inflammatory for your baby. Okay. Um, next thing I would look at for, if, for baby are toxins, right? So where are they getting toxins in their body? Uh, I see a lot of babies post um, after they get their shots at their, at their doctors. It almost makes things worse. Okay, so you have to consider these. So where are babies getting toxins from? Um, number one is what kind of water is the baby, if you're breastfeeding or formula feeding, what kind of water is are you mixing it with? So in general, I know it's recommended to mix formula with distilled water. And so many people I see are making their water with, um, with filtered water or tap water or... Um, reverse osmosis water. So that is not distilled water. The reason distilled water is because it has nothing. It's literally just plain water. There's no minerals, there's no toxins, there's nothing. So uh, distilled water is really, really good for uh, mixing formula. Also, I mean, a lot of formulas have been shown to have heavy metals in it. Um, So that could be another source of toxins for babies. Also, if you are breastfeeding, right? Um, what you put on your body, what you put into your body is going to affect your breast milk. So if you just had a flu shot, right, that can affect your breast milk. If you just had the latest booster, that can affect your, affect your breast milk. If you are doing a 20-step morning facial routine with all of these different toxic products that have phthalates and all of these things, that is going to affect your breast milk. If you are drinking coffee every day that is not organic and it's not tested for mold, you are passing that to your baby. Um, if you're living in mold, right, I see a lot of times that the breast milk has mold in it. So you're passing that to your baby. I'm not saying that if you are exposed to mold to just give formula, I'm not saying that. But, um, you know, that is an issue. Also, a big thing that actually we found after, this was after I stopped breastfeeding, is parasites will be in your breast milk. So if your child has really, really bad sensitivities, um, reflux, things like that, parasites can be being passed in your breast milk. So that's why it's really important that we work on your health before you have a baby. And you can even work on your health while you're pregnant. And you can even work on your health while you're breastfeeding. I'm not saying to parasite cleanse while you're pregnant or when you're breastfeeding. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But there's ways that we can do it um, naturally, in a healthy way, 
to help your health, help your baby's health while you're pregnant and also while you are breastfeeding. Um, so toxins are a big, big thing. These babies are so tiny. So we need to help help their bodies. Um, a lot of times we need to help their bodies get these toxins out, which is causing their reflux. Um, next thing I want to talk about is organs not functioning properly. So a big organ that I see with reflux that's not functioning properly is the gallbladder. Okay, so your gallbladder is the organ that helps you digest fats. So breast milk is very fatty. It, and it, in a good, it's supposed to be fatty because it helps with the baby's brain development. So if the gallbladder is not functioning properly of the baby, then this can also lead to symptoms of reflux, spit up, things like that, colic, who also... If the mom is breastfeeding and the mom's gallbladder is not working appropriately, then the fat and other, you know, nutrients cannot be broken down correctly, causing them, causing the baby to have struggles with digesting the breast milk. So this is why we recommend um, having the mom and the baby to be a patient so we can help both of them. Right, it's really difficult to help, especially if the baby is being breastfed. So, if the baby is breastfed, then we would recommend the mom and the baby to be a patient both because they're a duo. Right, you can't you you can't really help one without helping the other. And we made it really um, helpful for parents because if the mom is a patient. So this is not meaning like they just made an appointment. This is meaning they accepted care. We went over their whole um, care plan. And the mom is a an active patient taking supplements and all of the things, right? Then the baby under one years old is free. So we give the, the baby free care for the whole first year of their life. And why do I do that is because I am so passionate about helping children, right? And if we, if a baby is starting off on the wrong foot with reflux, and you might say, oh, well, it's just reflux. It's not a big deal. It's so normal. It's common. Yeah, but that means there's something further going on in that baby's body. So yeah, okay, maybe we don't, we don't do anything to help the reflux and it goes, and it goes away, right? But it's not that it goes away. It generally will manifest as a different symptom. So it may manifest as constipation. It may manifest as bloating. It may manifest as really bad, painful gas. It may manifest as just irritability in this child. So the reflux may, that symptom may go away, but whatever's causing that, it may um, manifest as something different after that. So I highly recommend addressing what is going on in the body to help the baby with the reflux and the colic and help the parent, the family, because you know what? If you are exhausted and you're not sleeping all night long, all day long, you're not getting anything done. You have to hold the baby 24-7. It's frustrating and it's no one's fault, but we just need to, we want to help 
both parties, right? We want to help the mom and we want to help the baby. We want to help the whole family. You know, if the mom has has toddlers, how is the mom going to take care of the toddlers when she's up all night with a baby that's, you know, screaming in pain? So we want to help to address what is going on. So just to recap the things that, that when someone is my patient, we look at, um, you want to make sure that they are evaluated for tongue tie, right? By a preferred provider. Two is look at diet, right? What is the baby's formula made of? What is the breastfeeding mom eating? Next, we want to look at toxins, toxins that are in the body, right? Um, and also just to point out with this, um, a lot of the toxic load from the mother is passed to the baby during pregnancy. I know there was a study that they said, I don't know the exact number, but something like hundreds of toxins were passed and they found them in the umbilical cord blood, right? So just if you're breastfeeding, look at the products that you're using. If you're doing this 10-step facial morning routine, and you wash your hair with toxic shampoo and toxic soap, then we need to look at, you know, decreasing the toxic load in the mom and decreasing the toxic load on the baby. You know, even cleaning products are can affect, right? We breathe in cleaning products. So if you're cleaning your baby's stuff with Clorox and bleach, that is going to affect the baby's toxic load. If you're not filtering your bath water and you're bathing your baby, they absorb all of those toxins through their skin. The skin is the biggest organ. You know, if you're bathing your baby with, um, you know, Johnson's and Johnson's baby wash, that fragrance is affecting your baby's health. So looking at all of these things and where can we improve the baby's toxic load? Where can we bring that toxic load down? So that is my spiel for today. Thank you all for listening to this episode. I am so grateful that you are all here. Um, I will add some more references, resources in the show notes. Also, if you would like to schedule an appointment with me and help address the root cause of your baby's reflux colic, I would absolutely love to do that. And also, if you are pregnant or planning to be pregnant and you want to decrease your toxic load, learn how to improve your health naturally, I would absolutely love to help you do that. So I will put the link in the show notes to make an appointment. Okay, I hope you all have a beautiful day and I will talk to you on the next episode. If this podcast episode resonated with you, please share it with another mother or another family who's going through similar issues. And if you could please leave us a review and a rating, it would mean the world to me. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode.